0: This week's episode of The Catch-Up is brought to you by Nude Beach. Nude Beach is Beast's very own food and music festival on the beach. It's happening this Sunday, September 1st in Huntington Beach, California. The music lineup is led by DJ Snoopadelic, aka Snoop Dogg. Dash Berlin and E40, 20 of the craziest, delicious food vendors you've ever seen. If you're listening to this before Sunday, September 1st and haven't gotten your tickets, head over to nude-beach.com and use code FOODBEAST4 for $10 off of your ticket. That's FOODBEAST4. Make sure you wear a swimsuit make sure to come early the food beast village will have a food stage with competitive eating and the premiere of our live stream interactive cooking show the food beast kitchen league Food shows and activations will be streamed to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv foodbeast or download the Twitch app so you can watch the action from wherever you are at the festival. It's completely free and all the cool kids are doing it. Appreciate you all for listening every week. And if you're enjoying the show, even a little
1: bit, please jump over to the Apple Podcast app. It's me, Eli. I was faking it. And leave a review for us. If you're thinking about doing so recently and haven't had a chance... Every last review actually does make a huge difference. All right, guys, I will see you at Nude Beach or on Twitch. And enjoy this episode about prison food. It's my favorite episode yet.
2: Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts Eli Aruth, editor in chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms, Food Feast. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you.
1: Alright, and welcome to the ketchup. <laughs> What up, fatties? <laughs> You've been starting with that lately. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. I don't know. I've just been calling all of our friends fatties. Everyone's just embracing good food, good good body images, whatever, man. We, We're all
2: fatties here. We definitely need something cuz every pod has like the name for their listenership and yeah. we haven't we haven't <laughs> come around to what that is yet. Yeah. I like it. I'm not completely sold just yet, but I like it. I'm to keep I, I, I trying wanted, it. I wanted you to know that, because now this is the second time you use it. I'm still I'm still trying it on, you know. I like what it represents. Yeah. That with, there's no judgment here, no matter who you are, what you are, like. Let's uh, be real, we, yeah. this
1: is an hour and a half every week where we just talk about food. <laughs> And whoever's listening right now is like probably on the freeway, just listening to dudes talk about food. If that's not fatty shit, I don't know what is. So again,
2: you have a you have I don't have a counter argument. You have you have a sol- you have a solid point. I think I'm just I'm just still trying it on, and it know? doesn't have to come out of your mouth. I'll just do this part of the intro always. So anyways,
1: uh, so we got a good one today, guys. Uh, we're talking prison food, and. Don't laugh. It's not the shit that you see on my Instagram that all the haters are like, "Oh, it's prison food." We have a real life ex-con on the podcast today, Andrew Metal. He's the author of a brand new book called "Don't Drop the Soap: Prison Life Hacks, Slang, Food Recipes, Workouts, and More." And since doing his quote-unquote bid, things have gone all the way up for Andrew. He's a tech entrepreneur. He's an investor he can light a cigarette with like a paper clip and a double a (laughs) battery and now he's shining some light on prison reform in some really unique ways so andrew welcome to the podcast man
3: thanks brother appreciate it
2: andrew i have to say when when reading through your book it kind of felt like a variety show like i was living a variety (laughs) show because you have you're like a comical writer but you're very real with your experience and it ranges the gamut i mean we're probably going to talk a decent amount obviously about food but at the same time there i was learning so much about the culture just seemingly anecdotally and there again you kind of touch all topics from how to protect yourself or how to interact with people and all sorts of things so um hats off to the to the book
3: appreciate it yeah well now that i can light a cigarette with a paperclip and battery. I'm pretty much good for the rest of my life. <laughs> I can hang my hat guns, on bro. that.
2: <laughs> the real life MacGyver. We have a real life MacGyver because you were you were you were forced into a situation where you had to MacGyver to to do stuff.
1: Yeah, he made ice cream in a trash bag. Like, <laughs> yeah. anyways, guys. I, I've
2: read the book, so I'm gonna pretend like I haven't for a moment, so
1: we can all kind of get into it. But when you were a kid, what were you like? Like, what, did you do you remember the first time you like broke the law?
3: Yeah. So, um, well, actually, no. Broke the law. When time did you use some flagrant shit? What's a fir- yeah like, earliest memory of some? I flagrant remember when shit? I was so when I was eleven, my parents got divorced, and for whatever reason, that like set me off, right? Mm. And so, my buddies and I devised this like master plan to go into the book fair and see who could steal the most books. <laughs> <laughs> like the Scholastic Book Fair in school? <laughs> and that, that was like my four into into like high crime. You know, like, <laughs> yep. I am in the book fair snagging as many books as I can. Mrs. White catches me.
2: <laughs> oh, so
3: you all know oh, you we your all master got caught. Plan. You, you all got caught. We all got caught. <laughs> Cole Anderson was crying to my left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: man, I always knew Cole was was suspect. That was my first suspension.
3: That's when that's when things really
1: started to kick off. You got suspended at eleven, stealing like the Scholastic. (laughs)
2: Fair goosebumps. That, I is, had all the
3: goosebumps <laughs> That's
2: such That's that's such irony The fact that we're kind of Talking about yeah, his book his, his first master plan Was the good old book fair <laughs> That probably don't exist At schools anymore Because I don't even know If they have books They,
1: they do My girlfriend's a teacher She said they still do When the kids geek out over it
2: It's still like a really oh, fun nice. thing yeah. I'm, I'm glad th- thank, I, thank God that still exists yeah,
3: well, I'm, yeah I'm trying to get my book Into elementary schools And middle schools <laughs> I think that'd be great.
1: Hey, you should read it to the cl- great, great my, my girlfriend's class of third graders. I think they I think they really appreciate how to fry shit with mayo in a bathroom. <laughs> um Okay, so you get you get suspended and like what happens next? You you go home, like your parents like I don't know, you that went to it. your mom's or your stealing, dad's house.
3: Stealing books at the book fair and then went and sold my first car. Oh, wow. No, oh, shit. I was like, "Damn, He's <laughs> like, <laughs> like such a rush from that highlight book I had in my backpack. Yeah, so, um, you <laughs> know, I, I don't even remember what happened after that. I think there was just like a series of continuous trouble, like from that point forward, you know? Yeah. Um, all the way up until I'm twenty two, but you know, we can talk through like some of those other things. But yeah, like stole my first car at sixteen. Holy cow. Um,
1: so high school high school. High shit school steps up a really, little bit.
3: Yeah, turned turned it up. It's not like I was some career criminal, right? Mm. Like I was in and out of the system until I was about twenty two. Um and so yeah, like I, I came from a single mother household. Um, we grew up in like a fairly decent area, which was the weirdest part because we were like the poorest people in like the richest neighborhood. yeah, so I went over to my friend's house. they were driving Bentley's with their maids and their you know ten story mansion uh, ten ten bedroom mansions. I'd go home and my power was out, and we wouldn't have any food in the fridge, you know, so it was oh, like shit. this crazy rich dad poor dad type scenario that for whatever reason got me like really immersed like for whatever reason, I think like I don't know, music influences and movies I'd watch like, I just jumped like all into like crime and selling drugs and doing things that could to make me money. Like I was just hustling, right? So it was driven by money. It wasn't yeah. like there
1: was there was angst early on, but then it was money. Like I'm just gonna like when you're stealing that car, what's going through your head? Like I need I'm gonna flip this car. Like yeah, where do you yeah. know where do so, you take
3: the car? Yeah, the the plan was <laughs> yeah, to, to take the car to chop shop that we had in LA. Uh, we didn't make it, like it, it got too bright. You know, like was we were in, in the middle of the day, okay. in the middle of the night, we were you know, going around stealing stuff. We found keys to an Audi, stole the Audi. It's not like we were hot wiring or anything, right? Stole the Audi, uh, but by that time, it was like 5.30, oh. 6 a.m. So we we're like, dude, we gotta ditch this thing. So we ditched it in the valley, you know, wiped it down, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 16. Yeah. Like at, at the same time, like my buddy's picking me up you know i'm going back to you know my second class where i have a pocket full of ecstasy and i'm I'm selling e to all the people in my class you know like that's wild dude yeah so
1: i'm imagining you getting arrested for just not having your driver's license like that's oh yeah dude work. i was
3: so there are criminals that get away with everything i was the opposite like if i cross the street i got a ticket <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> that's what i'm saying i'm no career criminal i'm not some gangster you know yeah. like i'm just a dude that Got influenced early on by like Tupac, you know, Nirvana, Sublime, and Kids in Scarface, and Mm. then just like was this suburban knucklehead that like went out and committed a bunch of crime, you know? Was it bad luck that you kept getting caught, or
1: were you just like a shitty criminal?
3: Both. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like you, you increase the probability the more crime you do, and Mm. I was just doing stuff all day long. Yeah. So the fact that, you know. I was committing so much illegal shit all day long, like my probability of getting caught goes up, plus I'm a really bad criminal. (laughs) So uh, both probabilities go up, so like you look at like the bell curve on that, like you're gonna get caught, you know? So I would get caught and caught and caught and you know, so by the time I was 22, uh, celebrated my 21st birthday in the Orange County men's jail uh, for a gun charge and uh, did about 13 months changed my life around at that time. I'm like, dude, this is like, cause I had big dreams and visions of what I wanted to do in life.
1: What were those things? Did like Business, B- like yeah. I
3: wanted to build my own businesses. I wanted to be like, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was per se, like at that point. Um, but you knew what a hustle was. Yeah, I knew like, I knew how to hustle. I knew how to make money. I knew how to like go out and do things that would create opportunity and, and, and leverage my resources. However, bootstrapped I was, you know, mm.
2: was the was the stint that you did when you turned twenty-one. Is that the stint that you're referring to in your book? Like, what's what's the main piece of experience that you're alluding to? Is it everything from from juvie into the OC Men's Prison or beyond, or, or what's the kind of main piece of in, uh, you know timeline for the book?
3: Yeah, so this book refers primarily to my prison time, which happened later. So here's what happened. Uh, got out of jail at 22, decided to change my life around, but got into one last fight in Vegas. I was on vacation with friends oh and family. God. This guy was beating up my friend in uh, the VIP at Studio 54. So I jump in, beat these two guys up. Unfortunately, I get arrested for that, right? And that's oh, no. everyone's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you're not done. Like you're still getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, ah. I mean, people ask, "Do I regret it?" And you know, if your friends or somebody you love is is in trouble or hurt, like you have to make a decision at that point, what you're gonna do, right? Um, so get in this this last fight. So from 22 to 24, fight the case. It's in Vegas, so I'm having to travel back and forth. Go back into school, eventually start working for an angel investment team. Uh, Hustled my way into that opportunity. Yeah, how the heck
1: does that happen? Yeah, so
3: I mean, it's kind of a long story, but basically networked. We had, uh, I went to Long Beach State. We had Bloomberg Terminals. I don't know if you're familiar with Bloomberg. Go Uh, Beach. Yeah, Yeah, Jeff went to Long Beach. Uh, Nice. So they have Bloomberg Terminals over there in the finance department. Bloomberg is like, you know, uh, CNN, Bloomberg, you have big media Mm. network, but then they have these terminals where everybody in finance, Gets involved. They study the market. They network. So I started networking with all these different people off the Bloomberg terminals, right? Eventually, getting an internship and then working my way into like angel investing, which was kind of random, but like totally fit like my risk profile, <laughs> the shit I like, but, like everything, right? So by 24, uh, I actually helped raise 3.2 million and started my first co-founding and started my first multi-million dollar business. Uh, by 25, we had secured the cash, we're growing the business. Within five years, that company did uh, over 60 million in revenue. What's What's that company or what did it do? Progenics is a sports nutrition company. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're really big in CrossFit. So all this is happening, right? My life is is turning around. I'm, I'm focused on a lot of good stuff, right? But at 24, I get... Um, um, you know my i'm still fighting that case and i i get i'm, I'm given probation for a five-year probation hundred thousand restitution because of the fight and you know i'm cool so from 24 to 27 i'm, I'm on probation i'm coming here to santa Ana, wow. to main street right here like going to the probation office every single week Paying restitution, doing everything I need to do. What's
1: restitution? I don't know what that is.
3: Um, like when you have a case, there's typically money that's owed. And um mm. there's a civil suit which would be for the victim themselves, but then there's also the criminal suit. And so on the criminal suit, I owed restitution to the state for the fight I got into.
2: Ah, uh, okay. And that um, was a hundred
3: G's. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so Yeah. Is that on top of a civil suit as well? There was no civil suit. Yeah. So uh 27 while building this business I'm having to travel a lot and I was doing everything I was supposed to do with probation and, and following all the lo- all the rules and laws and it's pretty like stringent they test you drug test you every 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 week I'm in there like a few hours every time I'm in like this goes on for 3 years like and it was Jeez. I think it was a 5 or 7 year term and uh so I travel out of state without a permit which I shouldn't have done, my fault completely, from Friday to Sunday. I'm like, oh, I'll be gone. Didn't even really think about getting a permit. I'm like, oh, I gotta go take care of some business stuff. I'll be back Sunday. While I'm in Nevada, I get, and so I traveled to Nevada of all places. I get a speeding ticket. Fast forward like, I don't know, a couple months or a few weeks or whatever it is, uh, I go back to my my condo um, one morning uh, and the OC fugitive unit is in my condo. They revoked my probation and they arrest me, take me into Orange County men's central jail, stay there for 30 days. Then I'm transported on a van shackled from head to toe, like oh. Nicholas Cage and Conair in a van for three days, go San Diego to Texas, to Arizona. Don't really know what's going on yet. Cause I, I didn't realize I didn't put two and two together. Can't get a hold of my attorney at that point. So get, uh, transported over to Nevada. And then Nevada is when I saw the judge that originally sentenced me on probation. My attorney's like, oh, dude, don't worry. It was April. I got arrested April 2011. Uh, so it was May 2011. I was sitting in Nevada uh, County Jail waiting to see the judge. My my uh, attorney's like, dude, don't worry. You're going to get uh, you'll be out in June for your birthday. June twenty-six is my birthday. He's like, don't even worry. Just go in front of the judge. She's like, boom, two to five. Oh. oh. This whole hold time. On. Okay, <laughs> hold on, and, this is
2: for, and so the two to five years is specifically because after the fight, after the probation that you serve and the 100,000 in restitution, you get a speeding ticket in a, in a state that you should have gotten a pass for, essentially. And because you didn't, they collected you and you're now serving two to five years because you basically broke whatever that agreement of probation and restitution was?
3: It's called a probation violation, right? Yeah, and so the restitution was separate. They didn't violate me for that. The, the violation was specifically for traveling out of state without a permit. And so that became a violation. You know, they said if you get in trouble, if you're on probation, if you get in trouble, they obviously say that can happen. You can go to prison. Right. Obviously, you don't think something like that will create such a severe penalty. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I I fucked up. Right. Which is, you know, I have to take some accountability and responsibility. Was it a, a deserved punishment? I mean, who's to say? I think it was extreme, but. I'm the one dealing with it and having to face it. And the judge may have thought, okay, this is fair to the situation. So so because of that, I'm then at 27, about to be 28, sent to prison for, for the two to five years. Um, and that's where Dude. this book, is derives from (laughs) okay wow okay so
1: i i get now how you're there so in your book in the opening you kind of give a little bit of a definition between a state and a federal prison could you walk us through that again like what that is and what you're about to walk into
3: yeah so usually like if something's financial related somebody's embezzled a bunch of money there's uh you know if if the um the person has committed a crime uh, with a, a large, you know, drug seizure or whatever, like there's, there's usually typically a federal, um, conviction in federal prisons are, uh, they're the ones that you hear about. It's like the country club esque type places where oh. people have internet. Now, mind you, like, dude, prison is prison no matter where you go. It's always going to suck. You're in prison, Right. Um, federal prison has a little more um, flexibility, a little more amenities, if you will. Like
1: they got internet. Like what are some of the
3: amenities in yeah, a country like Yeah, like the they, internet. Yeah, the internet. They have the ability. Not all, I don't, not all federal prisons, and obviously they're different. all sure. Yeah, and yeah, they're different. But most have like an a, a internet station where you can actually go and you can send emails and you can take care of things. You know, less... And it, it, it depends, too, if you're in a maximum or minimum, you know, at minimum federal prisons, there's, you know, tennis courts and oh, shit. there's there's stuff like that at state, too. Right? So you can't like but there's just a little bit more flexibility, a little less restrictions, a little more amenities. Right. Um, and so I, I went to state. I went to state prison. State is, you know, you, you have people that just have committed crime, you know, just it's everything <laughs> nothing right? coming yeah. to you yeah there's yeah. No, there's not a lot at state like the the state level it's just and depending on what state you go to obviously uh, there's just a lot less amenities a lot less comforts a lot less resources at state at the state level
1: so what happens day 1 day 1 you get to prison what like what does that look like cuz i cuz we've all seen shows you you specifically talk about how like netflix doesn't get doesn't get a lot of it right What's it like? What's day one like?
3: Yeah, so day one for me, um, I was, you know, you're taking through like, well, immediately you're, you're taking off uh, the, the Greyhound, right? And it's this big, you know, it's catching the chain, which is what everyone from county jail comes from. They're transported in this big gray, uh, you know, gray bus, right? And you guys hop off, you're, you're on a chain. It's called the Chain Gang for a reason. So you're on a chain, everyone's connected, and immediately like prison guards, they start yelling at you and you, you know, usher you in. Some dude gets slammed on the wall, his head's bleeding and you just, you're like, okay, like I'm in, I'm in state prison. right? Yeah. And I remember looking to the side and there's like a, a sign that says no warning shots. Like, cause they have people in gun towers and if something happens, they have to do what they have to do and they have, they have guns that they actually use and Primarily shotguns, so they're shotgun blasts. So if you get hit, usually it's not fatal, but mm. still will hurt. So day one, go get processed here in you know the first um, you know cell area where everyone goes, showers. They give you your prison clothes. They give you your state issued stuff. Then they take you to your housing unit, and the housing unit is what's called the fish tank, and the fish tank is where all the new inmates go, and It's, you know, it's a uh, lockdown. So, you know, there's cells. So there's two tiers and there's probably like, I don't know, 40 different cells or 60 cells in one area. There's a bubble in the middle. Then you have, um, you know, four quads. So the bubbles in the middle where the guards are. And in that fish tank, um, you have to stay. And this is processing. This is in tank. Every prison's different. Here in Nevada, where I went, I was actually I had to stay in the same cell for 60 days. Oh, uh, so you you get out every once in a while for a shower every three days. And so I had a cellie for like probably two weeks, and then the rest of my time, I was just alone, uh, basically you know, almost like solitary um, while I was waiting to be processed. And I think my paperwork took a long time because I was from out of state, and I can only ah. think that's why it took so long. A lot of people get out within two weeks. So as soon as you leave, the fish tank you go to level one yard
2: in every in every i think prison movie or tv show that i've ever watched there's a scene where they get off the transport and they walk into some sort of area and you called it a fish fish bowl fish uh, tank or fish tank sorry and but in in the scene that's in my head because i've seen it a dozen times there's people inmates watching the new the new people getting off the bus and almost like Salivating to the point of like, oh, there's new people to fuck with. There's new, and they're just watching you. Is that kind of all a media farce, or is that something you experience like in the fish tank? Like, is that is is that true or not true based on every (laughs) media depiction that I've ever seen?
3: Right, right. Well, so what's not true about that is there aren't going to be just a bunch of inmates anywhere near those new inmates being. Hmm.
2: You know, process. processed
3: into prison. What does happen when you go through and you're actually walking into the fish tank and you're with probably, you know, however many other inmates are with, a lot of like the time there's chance like fresh fish, fresh fish. So that mm. does happen. That's more like half baked if you've seen half baked. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah, laughs> and that's the whole thing like with me Yeah, there's, like, seriousness and, like, prison sucks and, like, there's stuff you have to deal with and there's, like, drama and all that. But, like, for whatever reason, I kind of looked at it as, like, rather than, like, being so dramatic, it was more of, like, a laugh-out-loud comedy. Like, yo, this shit is so serious, it's stupid, right? And, like, and so there was, like, a lot of that that I started, like, just experiencing and witnessing and like even people like i was around and hung out with i was like dude this is retarded they're like yeah (laughs) this shit's so stupid like you know just like everyday things so i mean did you were you like
1: so aware of it that you're like yo this is good content bro i'm gonna write a book like i went to jail to write this book (laughs) that's
3: why i was put on the planet for (laughs) yeah i started writing a funny book while i was actually inside like almost immediate but you know the first three months i was like kind of shocked still so i had to like get over the, the initial shock that. After all this, after changing my life around, you know, after the good things I had been doing. Because, dude, from 22 to 28, like, I'm a completely different human. Yeah. Um, so I was a businessman at that point, an entrepreneur, a successful founder. So I, I had, like, the kind of, like, the entrepreneur hat on while I was doing time, which kind of allowed me to, I think take a different perspective. So yeah, I did start writing like something really funny while I was inside. I, I used to send it to my homies and like, yo, type this up. They were like, oh, this <laughs> shit's hilarious. Like, so you
1: knew the opportunity, which is like probably a bit different than most folks that end up going in. Cause you're like, oh shit, fuck. Yeah. Like this sucks, I'm gonna dwell. And again, I'm saying this shit from a distance. Well, when I think, and
2: you touched on it already, Andrew, but especially when you more or less get caught doing something theory, like pretty minor, right? Even yeah, like Eli and ticket. I, like a, like a speeding ticket when you've already changed your life, like for the better. Um, what were you able to like ha- actually have that positivity in like the first year or, t- or I'm not sure how, how long the two to five actually ended up being, but I mean, you seem like a pretty positive guy. Um, and I think the average person who had gone through that and then go go actually get goes to prison on more or less that technicality it's not a technicality it's part of whatever the punishment was but i don't know man i could see that destroying people's lives um versus anything else i'm curious about what your emotional state was and describing what that shock and that transition into whatever whatever it is now
3: yeah Yeah, and it was just a little over two, which was cool. But it was also weird because there was, like, this looming two to five. Like, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I I think, like, towards the end of my sentence, I was like, oh, I may actually just get the two because I have all this work credits and good time and stuff, which was also another weird just looming number, which is different. Nevada does that. California, for instance, is, like, a fixed time. Like, hey, this is what you have to do. Um, But, yeah, like, I have always been – like someone that's positive and optimistic. I think it's it's a learned trait though, and it's a choice to make. Um, so while I was inside, I did the first, like I said, three months or so was just kind of like, I was just like confused, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, what's just happening? What am I doing? What, what what do I do now? You know, like and you know, there's a million scenarios that run around in your head. Like my my biggest fear was. Getting out of prison and not being able to achieve the success that I wanted to continue to achieve, uh, because now <clears throat> I was someone that had gone to prison. I dodged prison all those uh, those years before, <clears throat> so having like the prison number and, and all that was different. That gives me good insight into where your head was
1: at while you were in. And so that year goes by, and you're just thinking like, "Oh shit! Well, you still have, the business was still going, or what happened?" No, like-
3: so at. At some point. So I had three different companies at that time. And um, with those companies, obviously, I mean, I can't build a business while I'm in prison. Like we tried early on to my partners would send me emails that were printed in snail mail. I'd get them. It was like three weeks later, I'd respond with like a handwritten letter that'd be like, Three weeks late, and so like the turnaround time on responding to an email was like nine weeks. <laughs> like yeah. that's just not gonna work, you know. Yeah. I would try to get on the phone, we'd have a riot. The phones are shut down for two weeks. I can't call anyone. Like there's just too many obstacles with trying to like manage and build a business while you're inside. So yeah, I actually got you know removed from all the companies I had started. So I was out of the businesses. You know, I think to your point, like. Be, even in the midst of all that stuff, like I, I continued to choose like an optimistic and positive perspective because, like, you have a choice, and that's one of the things that I learned a lot. Like while I was, I was just doing time then, and you know when I was younger, is like your mentality, your mindset, like what you choose to dwell on, like how to how to be stronger mentally than you went in. Like those are all things you can learn and improve upon. Like. Your mindset's a skill just like anything else. You go work out your body, you got to work out your mind. So those were things that I focused on while I was inside that really helped to continue to develop and build like, the resilience and the grit that would help me stage a comeback. And I, I started thinking, like, what are the things I can do while I'm in here that will help me be successful when I get out? Because at the end of the day, like, I was leaving. Yeah. I, I, was, I was around tons of lifers that prison was now their new home so i could look at somebody else and be like man i'm just grateful like i'm doing wino time you know two to five years is nothing comparatively like if i'm looking at the homie over here that's doing seven consecutive life sentences like what do i have to like complain about so i mean when you when you first get in
1: did you have to click up immediately what talk to me about that like because because your book goes into a lot it, like jeff mentioned earlier it's kind of like a variety show of what can happen <laughs> in prison and so you give a lot of great perspective you talk about a bunch of different groups slang to get around and stuff like that i'm wondering how much of that is stuff that you saw versus how much stuff you actually had to like deal like or do you drink do you smoke like how much because you, you show people how to get How to get this, how to do that, how to shoot up. Is that stuff that you saw people do? Like, did you have to join a gang? Did you not? Because you were so like above water? Just talk to me about that stuff.
3: Yeah. So there's prison politics. um, And even if you're in the county jail, there's politics. And depending on where you are, like California, where I'm born and raised, uh, there's a lot of politics out here. And Nevada deals with that as well. Um, So you don't have to join a gang. And I talk about this. There's like this myth section, right? Like debunking prison myths that like Hollywood has dramatized. And because like you said, like people just don't really know. Um, So prison is typically segregated. So Hmm. different races stick with their own race so you're not joining a gang per se but if you're a white dude or a black dude or an asian dude or a mexican dude like you're typically hanging out with your own race so you're not in a gang but you're in what's called a race car you're in a car and the car is like that like group of people Mm. um and prison politics are there kind of for a reason to keep order because There are like these invisible rules that have been established and created by the inmates um, that show and teach other inmates how to behave in this setting where if they don't follow a certain rule, they can get into a wreck or they can get into, you know, some sort of issue or, or create an issue for everyone else. So there's like rules in place for a reason. Um, so immediately like when somebody comes in depending on what race they are they usually jump in that race's group mm.
2: so. so that is that is pretty accurate like it, was there anything you had to do to kind of to like a to us to establish yourself in the sense because uh, you know reading your reading your book there's times where even if you're not heavily getting into violence all the time you mentioned in your book that you might have to be prepared for a one-on-one that you might have like there might be a riot that's just happening around you um how much of that did you were you aware of like on day one or month one or month three and did did you have to present yourself in a certain way to not get fucked with in any way or or not, or was it just not that big of a deal because you laid low?
3: Yeah, like, um, I, I experienced, there were tons of riots, you know, I mean, tons, probably a dozen or so over the, the two years, and so I experienced the riots, like, I was involved in those, like, you're just a part of Chaos. what's going on, yeah, yeah, like, there's hundreds of people, or however many people, right, like, jumping into, like, a gigantic fight, and so it's just happening, you know, <laughs> so, um, So in fortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, like I had some basic knowledge of like the politics because I had already been through the system. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't somebody that just had this crazy DUI and then was sentenced and had never been in trouble. So I knew, you know, some of the politics that already existed in in the system. So I knew kind of how to navigate, Um, you know, nobody really fucked with me. It wasn't like, hey, you know give me your cornbread type shit, you know? (laughs) Like, but you know, like if somebody has a problem with you, like they'll either say, Hey, I got a problem with you. We gotta like take it to, it's called the blind spot where the no guards can see. And and that's where people fight. Um, That happens all the time. Like if somebody has a problem, you try to talk it out. If there's no resolution, then it's what it is. And you have to kind of like just fight or whatever it is, right? Um, I didn't really deal with any of that. like. You know I, I came in like i had already been working out a lot i was pretty jacked already like i've got a scar on my face my you know my head was shaved like i look i look tough enough where somebody's not going to just pick on me right away maybe um you know i i was asked many times if i if i would be a part of gangs that existed in the system and i said dude i appreciate it that's not for me right and so there's no bad blood because of that like i'm respectful that's the thing in prison like respect is a big thing so if you treat someone with respect you're probably going to get respect back and i think you know hollywood dramatizes this like oh everyone has to fight everyone all the time and but there's like a certain level of like respect then that's the other thing like manners in prison go a very like Long way. Like, I actually have seen people treat each other better in prison than I see on the streets sometimes. Like, there's more manners in prison because people respect each other than I see and experience and witness just like going to the Irvine Spectrum. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know what the difference is. Are people more respectful in prison and people just don't care, like on the streets, or like I don't know why that would be, but I feel like if your face gets mushed in once, you like <laughs> learn to respect that, like the
1: person at the other end of your rudeness is a real person and yeah. has the option to hurt you or retaliate or do something. So, like, be on your P's and Q's and be nice about it. Your hmm. love, your level of respect of what you're talking about reminded me of Snoop was just talking about this on uh, Breakfast Club on the Breakfast Club. And what he was mentioning was he was talking about these these athletes that have a lot going for them, um, and they'd after their quote unquote level of success, maybe they sign a year deal or something, or they're in college and they're on scholarship and and they have some notoriety on campus, people understand them, and then they decide to click up, like after now you're start you have money or a trajectory, and then you decide to deal drugs or to do something, and it's. And it's weird because you're talking about your second stint when you when you went to prison. You were in a different mentality. Like you, you had achieved this success already. So when you went back in, you're like, you know what? Like I don't I don't actually need a gang. Like I I appreciate like cool. I, see, I read in your book like cool. Yeah, thumbs up. Like you guys do you? I'm here. I don't I don't necessarily need this. No disrespect. And I, I just I find that interesting. That parallel of just keeping that positive attitude of you're not in need of this cosine, you know? And I thought that was that was rather interesting and, and I can see the parallels there.
2: Yeah, and I was also gonna say too, the, I feel like the weight of respect in a confined prison where you're probably gonna walk past that person again, that weight of respect is a lot heavier than if you show disrespect to someone random on the spectrum or at a shopping center or on the street like it's pretty rare that you're going to walk into that person or get to know that person at all. And so I'd imagine that, you know, because you guys there's a certain amount of people in a confined area It's like, if you don't respect me, I mean, that's a potentially a broken relationship that you're walking past hundreds of times while you're, while you're serving your sentence. So I think that the weight is a little bit heavier there, but can Andrew, can you walk us through how, how things work in prison from, and I want to start with the commissary because this is a word that gets thrown out a lot in media. And it's just, I, I have a vague idea in my head that it's like a place where you can buy things if you have money to buy them, but I don't money? know where the money comes from and or what you can buy. So can you just run us through the, the commissary for a second?
3: Yeah, and um, there's a, Third-party services and third-party service providers, okay? Um, so most inmates, and let's just talk about state because we're talking about state. Uh, state inmates are allowed to put what's called money on their books. And they're, it's done by people on the outside that can put money into an account that's tied directly back to the inmate themselves their back number right Um, so like for instance for me if friends wanted to put money on my books they would go on to I think it's JPay is where they did it. There's a couple of different service providers, but they'd go onto this website, sign up, and then hey, I want to put $100 on Andrew metals books, right? So they'd they they need to know, and I've never been on this side, so I don't know the exact details, but they need my back number, my institution, I think birthday or whatever, and then it links back to my uh, my actual back number in prison. Um, it doesn't show up right away, but you know, within three to seven business days, I think I'd then be able to see it. Multiple times a month, usually once a week, uh, inmates in prison are allowed to order commissary, and so commissary is another third-party service provider that has um, cheap food, which I brought. I saw that. Lord knows I need it
2: <laughs>
3: for the fatties. <laughs> for the fatties out there. <laughs> Uh, they allow the inmates to actually purchase and buy products, and these could be all like all different types of products. Could be food products, um, you know, clothing, um, you know, uh, grooming products, toothpaste, toothbrush, right? And so, literally every week, um, there's a store um, sheet that has like. You know, written in you know what you can purchase and how much, and and then you you're given a scantron, straight up a scantron <laughs> that you, we used to take tests on it, in like yeah. elementary school. So you, you put your back number and you fill out what you know off the sit, the the um, commissary sales sheet what items you want on your scantron. Those are processed and then you know a day or two later. Uh, the clerk or, or whoever's bringing the commissary in then comes in with everybody's packages and you're given your, your usually it's like a brown bag full of your products and you're given your, your actual products that you purchased. You know what this shit is? It's a scholastic <laughs> book fair, son. It's a third-party provider
1: that you fill out a scantron. Life took you full circle, my friend. <laughs> are, the,
2: are, the, are the food products in the commissary the same? every time you get that scantron or do they do they rotate at all what's what are you seeing when you when you get that commissary sheet
3: yeah good question actually um when you're at minimum security camp which i ended up at uh, my second year ish i think less than two years less than a year so like eight, eight ten months or something um sometimes there's specialty items that come in you know maybe it's like personal round um Pizza pizzas or Mm, you know new new flaming hot Cheetos yeah yeah like like KFC chicken like (laughs) you get some random cool items that actually come in and and when that happens everyone's so stoked and they sell out right away so you got to get over there but most of the time you're getting products that are about the same um, from and that's from everything like. think of going to like a 99 cent store mm-hmm. and like pretty much anything you can buy at like a 99 cent store is kind of like besides like fresh vegetables and stuff they now have at 99 cent yeah, stores weird but yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much anything you can get there is is some of what you would see so like like a lot of sweets like honey buns mm. pop tarts you know um i don't know what um, was your
1: jam like of this, like what were you like, yo, this is like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna suck these honey buns through a straw. Honey buns are great. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> with the peckerwood pie, which is the ingredients what I what I brought. So peckerwood pie is like this crazy and it it's from the county to prison, like you know everyone loves this recipe but it's a variation so you have like a honey bun layer then you throw pop tarts on then you have chocolate pudding then you put butterfinger crumbles you throw some oreos on you do you go bananas for you know, I got a bigger Like i hear about all this
1: stuff and i even in your in your book you're talking about these various recipes are you, is it like, if I walk through jail, is it a prison? Is it like a bunch of like grown men on the floor in their cell putting these dishes together? Or like where, where are these being put together? Some Sometimes there's talk of
3: a microwave. Is that in somewhere that's not in your cell? What's- yeah. So um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes there will be units that have microwaves. Mm. Um, typically, county jail, you're not going to see any of that. Prison, you will see more like microwaves. And what happens is you have a day room. Um you have a day room, and within that day room, um, you know. So, going back to the fish tank example, you have a, a, a quad with a bunch of cells, and then in the middle of this, in the quad, you have tables. You've seen it, like yeah. pretty standard. Like if you watch Oz, <clears throat> same same sort of setup, like yeah. tables in the middle. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, uh, people will eat at those tables. But also a lot of times, like people will get down like on their floor. Like Mm. a big part of prison culture is actually eating um, from your brown bag uh, that you get from your commissary bundle. You'll actually turn that brown bag into like a little tray, kitchen table, right? And everyone kind of huddles around. They'll make a spread, and you actually will eat that right off the floor. You, you keep yourself clean hopefully right yeah, um, yeah, yeah but you use the brown bag as like a, a tablecloth or like a a, a a big family style plate you know
2: how dependent are were you uh <clears throat> on the commissary on top of whatever like the standard meals are <clears throat> in prison so can you <clears throat> can you describe what the what the hot meals you were getting were, and how often, and then how dependent you were on the commissary to mix that up.
3: Yeah, uh, like I lived off commissary personally. I mm. spent thousands and thousands of dollars on commissary. Um, the food—if you're just trying to like literally survive—you might be able to survive just off the prison food, uh, but you're you're you have like a, a certain daily calorie intake that's required by state law i don't know what it is like 1300 calories or something like if you're only living off that you're, you're gonna be super sucked up and like hurting right um it's just from a, is- just from a caloric
2: <clears throat> perspective not even considering flavor you're saying that if you just eat <laughs> yeah. what you're given yeah. you're gonna lose weight in prison 100 percent.
3: yeah like uh, there are different breakfasts like one breakfast that everybody loved that's actually delicious and I, I haven't found I've traveled all over the world like I've been everywhere right? <laughs> tell me what this is <laughs> Corn beef hash dude I cannot find anything that beats prison corned beef hash <laughs> <laughs> it is so good what dude the? I would eat it right now if we had it <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, shit. so but um, so that's once a month maybe right most of the time you, you're seeing a lot of grits you're seeing like grits, milk, you know, you're seeing shit, a piece of fruit, you know, and that's for breakfast. Uh, lunch, you're typically getting like a brown bag, paper bag lunch, which is typically two slices of white bread and a piece of bologna and a, a fruit and a carton of milk or something. Wow. Um, and then your, your dinner hot plate is a combination of just whatever shitty cafeteria food you can envision. Uh, a lot of it's a lot of just smush, you know, like gray uh, smush. Damn,
1: it's really like,
2: it's <laughs> so really that's, like that's that bad. The, the,
3: the food, when you're in... <clears throat> so I start off in medium maximum prison, which is cell living, you know, 23-hour, 23-hour, 24-hour lockdown. Um, you're living in your cell. You're You're on the yard maybe once a week. Where you get a couple of hours, like you know, on a concrete surface, where you can do burpees or whatever, right? Like that's pretty standard. When you go to minimum security, where there's like fire camps, you can eat a little better. Like there's better quality food. They give you better portions. Um, You know, if you can find your way into the kitchen, you've kind of like beat prison in a way because you can eat way better if you're in there. You talk about like
1: getting to know the people that, that work the kitchen. And that's how uh, Ali of, of Fatima's Grill was talking about. Is he worked the kitchen when when he did his time. And that was like glorious to him. Like he picked up a lot of skills. Cause you, you gotta cook and you gotta cut stuff and do stuff for people. But he became the dude. Like right. th- like is that, was that the case? Did you like oh, yeah. find someone there?
3: Yeah, yeah, you, you like prison's funny. Cause you kinda like know who's who, even though it's like, you know, y- It's not spoken about, but like there's always like inmates on the yard always kind of know what's going on. You know, like even the guards don't know, but like the inmates know. And Hmm. so you always kind of know who's the guy doing what, who has what hustle. That's the thing, too. Like prison is very like entrepreneurial like, I, I compare it to the startup world so many times, and I write about this on Entrepreneur. I'm a contributor on Entrepreneur Magazine. Talk about it all the time, how the underlying fabric and DNA that makes up the prison system is simply entrepreneurial. Like, everything about it, from like different hustles that people have, like the tattoo guy, the laundry guy, the kitchen worker. Like, everybody has their own hustle because nobody can just live off the state rations. So you have to have mm. another hustle to To bring in more, to bring value and resources. It's, it's your currency, right? Yeah, exactly. Like if you're
2: the food guy or the tattoo guy, you're bringing value to other <clears throat> people, and that's how you can get whatever you more whatever resources. you need.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a way to hustle and increase your resources. At the end of the day, like that's what you're trying to do while you're in prison is is accumulate more resources in an environment that resources are completely scarce. scarce. Yeah, yo, you
1: made alcohol. Out of ketchup. Did you ever? So is this again? I want to get back to it because you talk about making wine with like a
3: ketchup packet and God, what what else? And and Prudo. Yeah. yeah. So you Uh. use. Yeah. So when I was in county jail, I used to do it all the time. So I didn't drink or do drugs or anything, you know, since I was like 22. Well, sorry, I drank until I was about 30, and I stopped drinking at 30. So while I was in prison, I didn't. Mess with drugs. I didn't do anything like that. I saw everything when I was younger. I yeah, we did. We created pruno all the time. You can create white lightning with potatoes, but yeah, pruno is is like a is like a staple across prison and in, in jailhouse. Uh, it's it's pruno. Like it's it's. I don't want to uh,
1: unveil all your recipes. Cause I th- I want people yeah. to read the book. because is a good book. Uh, but walk <laughs> us through pruno. Like how do you make yeah. a pruno?
3: So you you need to steal oranges or some sort of fruit from typically from. Um, breakfast and so what the way to do that is (laughs) you you pull your socks above your pants and you tuck your pants in and that's like a lot of people wear their pants like that right um just prison stuff in prison Uh, yeah okay i was (laughs) gonna (laughs) say i can't remember last time i did it but and then so you know you let a like an orange you know through your pants and then it sits like at your ankle, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get a couple oranges back, or however you smuggle oranges back. So use your oranges, and you you have to create what's called a kicker, and the kicker is the way to to actually um, um, ferment the alcohol. And so the kicker is this rotting fruit. So you create a kicker through orange peels, and so the way you do it is you like you dampen it, you put it in a plastic bag, you know, you let it sit in like your window seal, and so it starts to ferment, like truly oh. ferment. Yeah. And then what you do is you need um, sugar, yeast, and your kicker, and then obviously you want to put a bunch of. Um, um, liquid in yeah. so you can get you can buy these different supplies off commissary but so yeast like yeast is something so, that's sitting on commissary So yeast you, you have to figure out how to get creative with yeast bread has yeast right mm. so you use bread or what's even better because it has sugar and the sugar is good for the alcohol to be created or honey buns so honey okay. buns are used so you, you get your kicker you let it sit for days to weeks depending on how long it takes get your kicker get everything else so your sugar you can get Kool-Aid off commissary. You can get um, you know honey buns, <laughs> and you get more oranges, right? You get juice. You throw it all together, and then you let it sit, and it starts to really ferment and cook. And this thing, like you have to, it's, it's what's called burping your pruno. So you have it in like a bunch of bags, and what what ends up what ends up happening is. A lot of times, when like f- new fish go into prison, they'll be creating their pruno, and they'll burp their pruno before count because at, at certain times people come uh, inmate uh, guards come by and they they count to make sure everyone's in their unit. The guards can smell the pruno, and so a lot of times that's how like new people that are trying to create pruno get caught, right? Like they're burping their pruno and they're smelling, they're laying off like these alcohol fumes. Um, But then, so you you get your alcohol, you get your pruno, it's finally ready, and you take a sock.
1: Oh, no, (laughs) dude. Clean? Hopefully.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. You (laughs) you put it over your cup, and then you pour the, you know, because there's going to be liquid, but then there's chunks of fruit and chunks of, you know... Honey bun or whatever else you put in there, you have to you have to um, drain it. So the only drain you have is a sock. So you pour it in and then, boom. How much? How much are you
2: making at a time? When like when you're, is it just whatever you can?
3: Uh, Think of like oh no, you got like you get trash bags. So you'll have like a a big trash, you know, like a uh, like a little trash bag. I don't know, however you from a little like office trash can, like a side desk trash can, yeah, and. so you get those. You, you usually get those from people that either work in the kitchen or somebody else that works somewhere else. And so you you, you want to wrap it too, because a lot of times they'll they'll pop and then it'll spill all over your your cell, and then people get in trouble that way. But yeah, you're, you you have like a trash bag worth of this, uh, you know, prison wine called Pruna. And- uh, the yeah. second question <laughs> you said it's trash well how
2: do you know you, like how did you know your kicker was ready like when is it just super pungent you're just like yeah like this is the time to throw everything else in like yeah. this is Hard like hard to breathe in. So now I'm gonna put it in the yeah. trash bag with my sugar and yeast and whatever. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. But mind you too, like you have people that have been doing this, and this sure. is a recipe that's been passed on through the prison system for who knows how long. So you have OGs that are schooling, you know, youngsters. Youngsters are then sharing what they know with other people. So like you're not alone in this yeah. Pruno endeavor. You know, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> your Pruno ventures have collaborators. You know, <laughs> so this so this is like the main
2: alcohol in prison you have to make it is is cannabis available in prison um from like the is kind of get smuggled in is that something that's like an obviously in california and other states like it's a big part of legal pop culture now but i'm just curious if, if that was a a major thing within within the prison walls
3: uh you can get anything you want in prison yeah you You said it's like kind of
2: easier
1: too
3: (laughs) (laughs) like i guess who you are but yeah it could be easier probably uh but you can get weed you can get heroin you can get meth you can get cell phones you can get anything like that's the thing like you know there's all different ways people smuggle things in and it's recorded so i'm not like spilling any beans right i'm not like giving up the prison culture but yeah like there's so much that people get smuggled in a lot of times the guards do it you know and they get paid either by people that the inmates have on the outside or they're just doing it because they're like ah fuck the system or who knows why right but like um yeah like the 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 black market culture in prison is huge like there's and unfortunately like like For other people that already have addictions or or whatever they're dealing with a lot of people unfortunately deal with that and that's why they're in prison and then unfortunately because it is easy and accessible while they're inside they're not getting the rehab or treatment that they need and so it it is a you know it's not a good thing that you can get everything but you can like that's just the way it is
1: yeah that's a bummer that it doesn't just get treated as like This is your time to clean up. Like you don't have access to anything. Sit in this cell. Like hopefully, right? Sweat it out of your system, if you will.
3: Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and that—that's why. Like, I—I've been through the prison system. You know, I had like a different perspective because of like the career experience I've had. Um, So I've been involved in giving back. I think I wrote this book just to make light of the situation it's it's like it's good to have humor and like bring awareness like it doesn't always have to be so serious all the time plus there's like so much in here that people can actually be educated on within the prison system you know um but then at the same time like i write this funny book to talk about a a serious topic which is prison reform like the need for for Creating a rehabilitative environment where people can learn new skills and and actually use their time productively I did while I was inside like I I did a lot of things that helped me when I got out to be successful and so Just from my firsthand experience and then for the past 60 years. I've been going back into the prison system being a part of like volunteering and, and helping other people and so through that experience i know the value in creating positive programs and that's why i created mine
1: so i'm not familiar with like the financials of how prisons work I'm not familiar with the programs that are available. I know you learned a lot while you were in. I don't know if that was like by choice or if that was like, "Hey, you also have a class you can pick up stuff in. Can you talk a little bit about that because I know that is one of your big goals is just prison reform and through some various formats like but what what can you change and what what have you seen that was like, that's fucked up? like yeah, we're in prison, but that's fucked up. It could be better, and this could happen. this could change,
3: yeah, um. It's a loaded question. Yeah, super like loaded. Fifteen super, different answers. But, yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember in third grade when you learned how to type the brown lazy dog? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the type of shit you'll find in prison, mm. which is not effective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you have that class, and then you have like AA and anger management, and fine, you need that. Cool, go to that. Everything that I taught and learned, everything that I learned while I was inside was self-educated. Like mm. I had hundreds of books sent in. I think I read, I have the number, I think it's like 375 books or something. Read every sort of book I could get my hands on. I actually taught myself how to build websites while I was inside without the internet, with no computer. I taught myself how to write lines of code using like PHP, my dummy books, HTML, my dummy books. Like I wanted to be more technical because I was building tech companies but I wasn't like a technical co-founder. So while I was inside, I was like, dude, this is a perfect time for me to learn how to be more technical. Um, That's so
1: hard to do, by the way, because I like learn a little bit of programming (laughs) back
3: in the day. But if you can't, it's like, hey, I'm gonna learn how to shoot a basketball,
1: but all I can see is pictures of a basketball in a book. (laughs) Like if you if you can't punch in the code into a computer and hit enter and see if it spits out something, it's damn near impossible to learn it. So I'm like, that's really impressive that you did that.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it was actually using like WordPress and some CMSs that I I've used when I got out. I was like, oh, it's actually a little easier than I realized. Mm. Just Looking solely at like PHP and MySQL or React and MongoDB and like whatever languages I was learning, so there are easier ways to build web pages, sure. which was nice to know. Um, but yeah, it was it's tough. Like, how can you learn how to code without a computer, or internet? You have to just figure it out, you know. Yeah.
2: As an as an entrepreneur post prison, do you feel like being an entrepreneur is one of the best ways to earn a living for yourself? after prison, um, mainly because, you know, we had Ali from Fatima's Grill on the podcast and one of the reasons that he took a restaurant job and why many people take restaurant jobs post-prison is because there tends to be a good amount of them available, there's less background checks, it's less relevant if you did something wrong that, you know, you might not be dealing with cash or you might not be dealing with again, like a background check at a uh, white collar job or whatever. So I'm curious about if you feel entrepreneurship, if people taking their own future into their hands is a more likely better outcome than trying to work for somebody else with a record because yeah, because of the difficulties that can come with that.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, yes and no. Like i think it's a double-edged sword and I, I say that because one entrepreneurship is extremely hard yeah. yeah right you can't come out of prison you usually have 200 gate money i had 200 gate money right got out of prison 200 gate money i wanted to go build another business but also work at starbucks oh that's why you're wearing your shirt dude i can't get a job at starbucks i can't get a job at starbucks and i had built very successful companies right so I was forced to build another business, even though I wanted a job to give me some stability. Fortunately, I had done it, and, but dude, the first year was really hard. Even for me, That I had, I, I had had success, so think of somebody that is just trying to change their life around that hasn't had success to go out and then become an entrepreneur. Um, it's tough and that's why I created Street Smarter which is my my program that goes into prisons to teach inmates how to become entrepreneurs because there's a lot they can learn while they're inside that will help them when they get out Um, but also um, I think it is a value for people that have been through the system and I think they can make Some of the best entrepreneurs that you will ever see because of some of the fundamental things that they believe in their character traits, their risk aversion, their disdain with authority. Like, there are just some parallels that ex convicts have that mirror entrepreneurship and successful entrepreneurs. So, I think, yeah, like it's tough to be an entrepreneur, but I think that that population of people could be really successful and effective if we can figure out how to educate, teach them, and build them into entrepreneurs.
2: You're you're someone that's that's building a personal brand, you know, as an ex con, right? Like it's a big part of your personality, your book, your experience. Do you recommend for people who are coming out of prison to like to tackle their prison life head on and be like i am an ex-con but this is why i'm valuable or will that only work for kind of a select few who are very entrepreneurial very smart know how to build a brand and do you recommend them not being front and center about their experience i'm just curious
3: about that's yeah, a great how, question. Like, yeah. how, how you feel about Man, that? Sometimes I feel like all I fucking talk about is prison. I'm like, why am I still talking about prison <laughs> so much, dude? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. I, 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 I wrestle with it myself. I think, for me, it was like 2013, I got out. I had I had handwritten articles to Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine and all these places, because I was like, dude, what a unique angle. Pick up my shit, publish it while I'm in prison. Like, How many other inmates are writing you and pub- trying to publish articles, right? Um, and so at that point, I was like, well, I have a, a decision I can make. I can pretend like I didn't go to prison. I can pretend like nothing happened and just continue with my life. Or I can figure out how to use this experience and provide even more opportunity. And so that's what I did. I, I kind of flipped it upside down and I used it to continue to, to leverage opportunity to, to to create, yeah, like a quote unquote personal brand. Um but I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think each case is different. I think a, a person has to kind of look at what their their end goal is, um, you know. Like for me, this is fun and entertaining, and I want to play around in this like don't drop the soap space for for a little while. But I gotta I gotta pivot out of here fairly quick because I don't want to just be like this gimmicky, funny. Like I wanna I wanna actually like. I have another book coming and it's more like about leadership lessons that athletes, executives and entrepreneurs can actually learn from the prison system. And so it's a little more of a serious topic that can, can be used in a, in a more serious way where like, I'm not just hanging out with like the bar stools crowd every day. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? But I think it's really important too. like, I don't like I'm not, that's my people as well. Like I, I, I like the humor. I like the, having fun and entertaining and enjoying like the less serious side too, right? Um, That's what's so ill about the book though is
1: you hit them with the knowledge of like shit you can do in jail but then you you hit it with a, a quick little life hack. You have these little pop-up video style life hacks throughout the book. It's like how to apply it to if you worked at Chick-fil-A or if you worked <laughs> at Starbucks. Like here's how you can right. use this idea of taking a paperclip to a battery. Like the idea is less so like having Uh, the need to light a cigarette, but more to show off your ingenious or to impress somebody or to show that you can work with circumstances that aren't in your favor and you can always kind of look through So I like that and I'm excited to see the next book that you do that too. Um, So what's what's next? Like what's next for you outside of that next book and like the entrepreneur stuff?
3: Yeah, so um, I wanna turn this book into an, an animated cartoon. So I think, like, Family Guy meets Oz. And so I'm in the process of, of talking to some people. I have a production company right now. Uh, I think that shit would be hilarious. That'd be
1: pretty damn funny. So <laughs>
3: continue with this, like, book series. You know how, like, in in hip-hop, like, rappers will, will put out a bunch of mixtapes to, like, start building their platform and bring awareness to, like, what it is that they are doing in their music. I'm, I'm, I have a vision to do something similar with, like, my book series. Yeah. So I'm going to have a series of different books, pretty much that all kind of encompass prison in some way, but um, different styles and different lessons, right? Um, I'm a tech entrepreneur, so at the end of the day, like I build tech companies. Uh, I have my software development agency, I just invest into a PR agency, and then I have a handful of other startups. I just sold uh, one of my SaaS companies to another company, and so we're in the process of integrating and merging our companies. Um, are you guys familiar with Y Combinator? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna apply to the winter batch of Y Combinator. Um, so we'll see if, if we get accepted into that, I think that would be really big and open up a lot of, 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 of other doors and, and new opportunities. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then obviously giving back, like a big part of like who I am and what I stand for is, is providing resources support. Um, obviously the prison population is a place where I think is underserved. So I, I do that, but then also there's other places as well. So, you know, inner cities and things like that. So with street smarter, which is the program I created, we have an in prison program where we're actually going to be rolling out the end of this year, starting in Chino. I'm just working on getting things, uh, accepted and approved. Um, and that will be like a shark tank style, 10 week competition, uh, 10 week program with a, a pitch. Uh, competition at the end with live judges and and go through that and see how that goes and then in addition to that um, we have a free online um, website training course so we just rolled out our first pilot program in Crenshaw um, and so we're gonna be teaching people how to build websites for free and those are just anyone in the local community Uh, we're gonna do it in Orange County LA County start and then kind of roll that out the people that go through the shark tank style pitch competition in prison once they parole they'll be able to go right into that website training course as well so they'll be able to learn how to build websites for free which is really cool and then um it's crazy i'm gonna create the restart fund which is the first and only venture fund focused on ex-felons so all from from those two programs at some point later next year probably i'll make a couple investments into people that have actually gone through the program and create the first venture fund for ex-felons.
1: That's, dude, you're doing so much and you're <laughs> doing a bunch of sh- in media. Like, yeah, you have a podcast, yeah. you, you host a few shows. Is there anything people can look at? What, what do you want people to go yeah, watch and yeah. see?
3: Uh, I have a, a video show on entrepreneur.com, so uh, just interview a bunch of different entrepreneurs. Yeah. Have a bunch of, I've had a bunch of cool guests on. Uh, Theo Vaughn, Tito Ortiz. Theo's hilarious. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> uh, Nipsey was on. Oh shit. RIP, yeah. yeah um, so that's a great show. We turned that into a podcast. I host a radio show on SiriusXM about prison reform, uh, so people can keep their eyes open for that. But connect with me on Instagram. That's where yeah. I, I like to. At connect Andrew with Metal, right? At Andrew Metal. Boom.
2: Eli, before Before yeah. we wrap, uh, I wanted to ask something. You know, when you're kind of looking at the economy right now, you're seeing you're seeing a lot of jobs go overseas. Um, you're seeing a lot of jobs being taken by automation. And that does not make the environment easier if you also have uh, black mark on your record. Um, are you seeing employers shift hiring practices at all to where they're not, you know, as stringent on the quote the background check? Um, and the reason why I ask is, I mean, we we're, we're a small company. We're, you know, we have twenty or so people, um, but I think for the most part formal education and if you made a mistake aside, we're most interested in you being able to do good work. Yeah. I can't say that's like, I'm on the younger side of being a business owner and I can't say that's majority of people, but I'm curious about where you see the landscape right now for people who need to earn a living of some kind coming out of prison, um, what it's like for them. pros and cons
3: no pun intended yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no it's a great question i think that you do have a lot of people right now and there's just a lot of buzz around prison reform so you know you have kardashian getting involved you have meek mill you have jay-z's thing uh you have their reform alliance program so i think that this stigma is starting to change um, from like a a, a societal perspective Um, I think unfortunately you still have people that are dealing with the everyday life um, which is they're getting out and laws haven't changed yet Um, they still need a job like today Um, so they're still dealing with that and those are some of the cons obviously is like I'm an ex-convict. I've been in prison X amount of years. I still can't get a job here because I have a record. You guys don't accept felons. That's still happening. Um, Shout out, though, to Safe and Just, which is an organization uh, tackling prison reform that I've started to work with and I have a lot of respect for. They have a campaign called Time Done. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Time Done. You can find it online. Um, And their whole thing is to remove the fact that people need to um say that they've been arrested or incarcerated on their employment applications. And so they brought I think like fifty thousand letters to local Congress recently. Don't quote me on that number, something around that that number, um, to really push legislation because obviously there needs to be a reform with the law itself. Um you look at prison reform and I, I look at it in three different like Buckets, it's preventative, which I think you have to start with youth, and that's why I'm passionate about youth, you know, troubled youth and and at-risk youth and giving back however I can. You have rehabilitative, which starts in the prison system, which is something I've been tackling for a while. So you have rehabilitative in the prison system, and then you have, um, what's the third one I always talk about? I just forgot. Uh, preventative, rehabilitative, and then um, something else. <laughs> no, and then the third one would be, you know, um, um, reform. Yeah. And reform is legislation, laws. Like we need things to change on on the legal side. Um, and so there's a lot starting to happen. Um, I think some people are reaping some of the benefits now. Um, but I think that we'll continue to see that and the last mile too, is another amazing nonprofit I've been a part of. That's the one I've been going back into prison systems with. And so when people go through that program, they're taught how to be full stack software developers. There's two, three year program. And when they get out, they can actually get jobs. Like we've had a guy that now works, shout out to Ali, works at, um, uh, Chan Zuckerberg initiative. So oh. he he went through, yeah, the Facebook team. Um, we have another guy, Chris Schumacher. Uh, shout out Chris Schumacher. He is working at Fandom. Mm-hmm. And these are guys that were serving like Ali did thirteen plus years, I think, and Chris did eighteen or something. And wow. he was he was serving a life sentence, and some laws changed, so he was able to parole. And thank goodness he had been through our program because then. It's very favorable if you if you go through the last mile, um, there's just a lot of benefits. So he was able to go through, get his life sentence overturned and actually come out and get a job. Um, now, obviously, these are the exceptions like the, the majority still are dealing with with stigma and, and, and legal issues that that, you know, we're still fighting Um you know, so I think it's a process, and I think that there's a lot of change happening. I think there are a lot of amazing organizations and people that are are fighting some good fights, and I think that it's going to be a, a much different landscape here in, you know, in the next 5, 10, 15 years.
2: Coming coming from someone who was kind of in and out of the juvenile system, and then f- we didn't hear the story, but you found your way to kind of be a part of— to. An, either be an investor or get investment and then build businesses. What's the number one piece of advice you have for someone coming out of prison right now to make themselves either marketable or to take a step in the right direction to either build a business or build a career?
3: I think the, the, the single most important advice I have is for them to read my book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I I think that there are some people like myself that have gone through the system, been successful, um, learned how to kind of like leverage it to create new opportunity. I think the best thing that those people can do is, is find people like me. Um, and follow, like, I'm, I'm trying to create a model that people can replicate, you know, and I'm leaving digital footprints, I'm, I'm imparting wisdom wherever I can, providing, like, insight and perspective, um, you know, and if they can see that stuff, if they can reach out to people, if, if they can follow certain models that have been put in place, I think that's all they need to do is replicate those models and follow those models and then do that, and I think they can ultimately... Accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. And last
2: question for someone like e- Eli and I, who are, you know, outside of those communities, what's the what's the kind of the best way for us to either participate and or get involved?
3: That's a great question. I think um, there's a lot of programs that look for volunteers, and I think it's really important um, that people something I just believe in. Like if 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 you're not Satisfied, if you are satisfied, like at any point in time in your life, you should be looking outside of yourself, right? Um, because it'll just make you even more satisfied and, and it'll help you new perspective. The, 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 the whole reason I love to travel the world and like go to these different countries that I've never been to is so I can experience new cultures. You experience new cultures, you experience new food, new people, you have a different perspective. It's not about you 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 lose that selfishness that sometimes as americans or just people in general we have right um so i think being able to go in and get involved with like programs that are seeking volunteers that go into the prison system is really awesome it, it opens up anyone's eyes um, it can it can see that at the end of the day, like these are just normal people. Like I went through the prison system. When you hear about prison, you're like, oh my gosh, prison's so crazy, but I'm just a dude that went through prison. Now that we're sitting and talking, you're like, dude, yeah, that's Andrew. He, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So, but before like, oh my God, this dude that went to prison, he's coming down, we're gonna talk to him about honey buns. Now you just, <laughs> just some dude. Now I'm just some dude, right? But that's yeah. the thing, like we need to like, I think if people want, if there's, a, they have a desire get involved with with programs that are going back into the prison system so you can see like just people like we're all just a bunch of humans trying to figure shit out yeah. so
1: sound advice I love the ending of
2: that. where can be where can people find your book Amazon
3: <laughs> Amazon yeah
2: Amazon.com don't drop the soap Yeah.
3: Andrew and- metal everything Andrew at Andrew metal all social media and that's MEDAL let's get it baby. perfect man thanks for stopping that's on man. that was a really Appreciate
2: fun it. convo yeah 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 cool guys later Uh, if you guys uh please leave a review um wherever you can leave reviews especially in the apple podcast app and uh stay tuned next week for for more great pods
1: bye fatties